Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, number 179. So, today, I am joined by Charlie, aka Mordak Undivided, and I am Nomad Har, Kraken Zero, also just Henry. I appreciate so, you not just fucking up in like eight times in a row like I did last week during the intros. <laughs> and so, we are missing Alex today, and so just... He's up there with some personal stuff. So, yeah, so we miss him as always. We'll, we'll miss his... Fuck that, I'm starting the rumor that you and him are the same person actually now. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. But yeah, um, so, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I was out last week. Right out yeah i mean but i i gave my reasons kind of reasonably early on so you know what? i'll just roll right into that you know i'll spend a bit of chunk of time last week trying to figure if we actually been to the thing you were at last week and i'm not <laughs> sure if it was slightly racist the way you were trying to remember i'm like which music thing? is this the japanese or the korean one well the thing is it's all right pacific media expo yeah just, it's, that's, i think it's both technically it is. I mean, that's why it's specific media because it's it's kind of covers all of Asia, and so it doesn't. It yeah. It, it this one in particular actually makes a point to not be like only one particular region of Asia. It tries to cover a lot, and so that's the thing. So it's like this year there's a lot of Filipino stuff actually, and so not which is very cool. I have no idea what the music of the Philippines is like. So yeah, there was some music from the Philippines. There was like a uh, like a traditional tattoo uh, panel, and like let's see, oh yeah, traditional like fighting arts panel. That one I actually know about. And so that's so that was very cool. So there there again, it's like it's not just one part of Asia. So I mean, and also there's a K-pop panel because how can you avoid that right now? It's Super ridiculously. This popular. podcast is actually secretly a K-pop channel. Just saying. <laughs> but yeah, I I happen to know several people that are like absolutely super into K-pop. I'm not so much because I'm not really into pop. I'm more of a metalhead, <laughs> and remain sort of more of a metalhead. But yeah, the closest I get to that world is always like fucking baby metal or Amarath. <laughs> yeah, I same. guess. Have you pronounce it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and we've talked. We talked about when you went to the baby metal concert. Oh yeah, no, so. just for, uh, yes. But yeah, the uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like so. Yeah, Pacific Media Expo is really about like greater Asian culture, not just anime, but you do get mostly anime cosplays. And, I might say the media of the Pacific area. Yes, but yeah, I, I, that's one of the reasons I like it because it isn't just. Anime, it is sort of a little more wide ranging than that, and also it's a bit smaller one. It's not nearly as big as the other conventions, and sort of feels more intimate. And they're in kind of a rebuilding phase right now too, but it's it's really cool, and I like a lot of the things that they're trying to do with it. For instance, on the uh, they were opening up the dealer's room to the public, so you know, yeah, just. Smart for everybody, and also good for the dealers. It's just more people coming in that might buy your cool stuff, and so that was. So I think that's cool, a neat idea. They've been doing these side things with sort of other organizations. Like last year, it was they did a lot of 
they did something with like uh, basically uh, Asians in entertainment, and so they had se- they had several panels on Sunday specifically all about that. So it's like you had the cast of Steven Universe, mm. which is mostly Asian, and you had yeah, and then they had another panel with just people who had been in TV and movies and stuff like that talking about it. And this year they did a well, like I said, there's the uh, the you know, with the f- stuff from the fil- music from the Philippines, and they had several musicians in in uh, partnership with a radio station. I can't remember the radio station right now. Wish FM, maybe? But in any case, that, that's who they were partnering with to bring in these musicians. And so it was a collection of some pretty cool musicians, so I got to hear, you know. Uh, one of them, in particular, was a, has, has had, like, current number ones in the Philippines, and so he came and performed, and that was cool. Yeah, so, there is, and I attend, that's the thing, like, I go to, I go to these conventions to attend panels, and, and I attended a lot of very cool panels this time around. The, another thing, uh, uh, so I met this kind of popular cosplayer named, uh, Tara Azarian, I think, yeah, that's mm. how to pronounce her na- last name. I got a picture with her, so that's all. Yeah, that's, I saw the picture of it. Yeah, yeah, that's on my that's on my Instagram, Kraken Zero, Z E R Zero, <laughs> and so yeah, and she is she's an interesting person. She's also uh, has made it a point to be representative of people with disabilities. She has a number of. I mean, this is this is on her website and stuff like that. Uh, you know, various health issues that basically affect what she's able to do and, you know, how, just, you know, things with her heart and stuff like that that have a big effect on, you know, what she's capable of, you know, doing and to some extent and, you know, how much energy she has from day to day. And and so she's made it a point to sort of be for representation. And I think that's super cool. And so... And so that, and she also ran a panel on that as well. And yeah, I thought that was really neat, a really neat idea. She's also an excellent cosplayer. She she makes her own costumes, and like every part of her own costumes. And so, like the picture I have with her is a character from My Hero Academia, and it's like that's just a dead-on perfect costume. It's just exactly like uh, Himiko Himiko Toga. It's a character. A major character in My Hero Academia, and yeah, so that was also very cool. But yeah, there's just a lot of cool panels. Um, the dealer's room is a lot smaller than others there again because it's a smaller con, but a lot of cool artists showing their wares. So it was more, I'd say, even more artists than like shop shops there. That's cool. And so there's and there's a lot of cool artwork being shown. I all right so. <clears throat> If you've been following me on Instagram or on Facebook or on Twitch, then you would see that I would I've been working on the a costume for Pacific Media Expo. I was working on a character from My Little Pony, which the current generation like animation ended this year. As far as uh, I don't, there's not going to be any more seasons of the current generation, third generation. This is so I made a Discord costume uh discord for my little pony and that that was kind of a big hit <laughs> and a lot of people recognized it 
And so a, a human version of Discord. So it was kind of my own take on it. And it wasn't as, like, demanding as some other costumes I've worked on. Because I only had a week to work on it. I only gave myself a week. I kind of had the idea. I was like, oh, you know, I'll dress up as this. I looked in my closet. There's a few things I have that would already kind of work. And then just a few things else just needed to paint up. So I painted some shoes to be his kind of different matching legs that he has. So, all right. So if you don't know who Discord is, is like, you can kind of check it out. Uh, he's a draconicus who is kind of have, has mis mismatched parts because he's a kind of a god of chaos. Very much sort of a Loki type or a, yeah, you know, kind of like that. And he's also voiced by Q of Star Trek fame. That, that voice actor, John Delancey. And it's kind of cool. So a little aside here, the character was created to be like Q as a kind of a super-powered being who's kind of a little bit, but uh, it's just mischievous, not evil, you know, not malicious. Just, Kate, little, you just like, Scott is so, well, Discord. <laughs> and so they created the character, like the show's creator created the character, and then they were like, hey, this is like Q, let's see if Q actually wants to voice this character. And John Delancey was totally into it. He's like, yeah, sure. And he liked voicing the character, and he liked kind of the community so much that he made a movie about bronies. <laughs> or just My Little Pony fandom in general. So that's how much he really connected with it. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, he's basically just playing Q, a slightly, I guess, somewhat nicer version of Q, but still very much Q. <laughs> the way he's written, so it's so I dressed up as yeah a human version of that character, and yeah I, the main thing I worked on for that was yeah painting a few items, collected a few things from Goodwill, and I also made the horns. So he has kind of mismatched horns as well. One of them is this weird bulbous uh, goat hornish type of thing, and the other one is an antler, and so I made those out of thermoplastic. Are you familiar with thermoplastic? Um, I did more context than just the name is the real answer. It's plastic that has a very low melting point. That basically all you have to do is boil it, even less than boiling. It's not even as high as boiling. Will but boiling water will basically soften it so where you can work it, uh, in a sense, a bit like clay. Okay. Yeah. No, I until know it, that. until it cools down. Yeah, it comes in as a bunch of tiny beads that you just kind of can dump into a big, big container of boiling of boiled water, and yeah, it just kind of turns clear and softens up, and then you can kind of work it. And so this one was kind of tricky because I wanted to make the one of the horns, or I needed to make one of the more horns hollow because otherwise it would be way too heavy on my head, and it would also be completely off balance with the other horn, which was much smaller. <clears throat> so, that's the thing. Uh, thermoplastic is, it can be very tricky to work with. And I wasn't using any sort of a, like, filling. There again, I needed it to be very light. So I didn't even put any foam filling or anything like that. Because that could have made it easier where I work around the sh general shape. Mm. But this, I was just kind of working it hollow, kind of like the way you'd make a 
like a pot. Like, and so yeah. that it turned out pretty well in the end, but it was pretty difficult. I mean, if you want to, if anybody wants to see how that went, you can go to my Twitch channel and there's vods of it up. And so, yeah, you can kind of see the difficulty with that. And then the other horn was easy. It was just an antler. And so I made that one just solid. And so that one was relatively, you know, way easier to do. I did that one really quickly, whereas the hollow horn took quite a while. Mm. And I did that all on the Friday, like the Friday night before it. So I didn't have much time. I needed to finish it. But I did in time, and I was pretty happy with the way the costume in general turned out. And so, and like my beard as white worked out well perfectly for the costume. He has, he, well, he has a completely white just beard. Sure. So that was actually kind of cool. I know the nothing of this character, so. Yeah, the second day I revived a, uh, and another My Little Pony costume that I'd used before, Twilight Sparkle, so. But yeah, but the Discord one was completely new, but yeah, I was very happy with the way it turned out. So, other things I did was, I, well, I played a new game, played a game, well, I say new. It, I got it free off the Epic Store a few weeks, some weeks ago, or maybe yeah. longer than that. Nuclear Throne, which is this sort of roguish game. Have you played it before? I don't think so. Yeah, it's one of many games that I've kind of picked up for free. Sorry, what's the name again? Nuclear Throne. Oh, yeah, I know of it. I think I've played enough to have, like, it, it's, yeah, I know it's a roguelike. I think I touched it, but not much beyond that. That's what I thought you yeah. said for a second. My brain just had a moment. Yeah, top-down shooter. Pretty fun. Very short game. I kind of wish it was a little, little longer than I it was. I've heard there's some depth you can explore if you want. Like, there, there's options that make it a much longer game. Maybe mods or something. I don't know. But, yeah, the yeah. game as it stands is not a long game to go completely through. Like it maybe you can go through a sing like go through the entire game in thirty minutes. Yeah. So I mean, and you know, in comparison with some other rogue, you know, proper roguelike that is that can take hours and hours. But yeah, it's it's cool. I used it, you know, twin stick shooter style. Yeah. You can also play it with mouse and keyboard, but I found I found it more fun to play twin stick shooter style. But yeah, that was that was cool. I had, and it runs fine on my system. So, yeah, that's kind of the other requirement. But, yeah, I enjoy roguelikes a lot. I mean, I've made that very clear on this podcast, that I enjoy roguelikes a ton. And so, yeah, that was kind of fun diversion. I'll probably play it some more every so often. But, yeah, it's just as, you know, frustratingly unfair as a roguelike should be to a certain extent. So, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. So, but. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, I hadn't, you know, other than that, I mean, that's kind of what I've done for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Pacific Media Expo, like I said, I took up a lot of my free time just putting together the costume the week before, so that's kind of what I did for that week. But, yeah, so what about you? How's your week? Um, I chose to play the most controversial game of the year, it seems. I played Pokemon Sword. I went mm. with a sword because Wolf with a sword is cooler than Wolf with a shield main, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as someone who um, did not like the last Pokemon game that much because it was getting a little 
up its own ass with its own story. I, I'm enjoying mm. this one a little bit more than I did Sun and Moon, but mm. not as much as I think I enjoyed X and Y, but also, like, X and Y had been easily the first Pokemon game I played in close to a decade, so a lot of what that game did, like, I've gotten the impression from a from a lot of people that that game is viewed as kind of like the last high point of the franchise, if you will. And mm. Sun and Moon tried to do some cool stuff. Like it, it, that one shook the formula up in a major way. Like it, it did away with gyms, which I wasn't a big fan of. And this game brings the gyms back in kind of a cool way. I guess we'll get to that in a second. Um, mm. I. I am far enough removed from Pokemon that I don't know, like, when the shift from having a rival that you kind of fucking hated to, like, they're your frenemy slash they're, like, they're your friend that pushes you to do better, and I fucking hate it, but, like, I, it's, I, there are some really smart decisions made in Pokemon Sword and Shield that I think are big steps forward to the franchise. I, I don't care about stuff like how the Pokedex now can't be completed, and... Some of the models are, re are reused and shit like that. I'm just happy I can play the game on my couch, on my TV. Like, I, it's... Mm. I actually have written in my notes where I want to slap slash punch the Pokemon community because trying to look up anything about, like, which version of this game you should get leads you into just the fucking saltiest of deep dive minds where it's people being like, <laughs> it's like, oh, they took so-and-so out of the game. And I'm like, did they take the garbage Pokemon out of the game? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> After I caught my first three Rattatas, I'm like, I never want to catch a Rattata ever again. No, I need to complete the Pokedex. Do you? Do you really? Do you need to import your fucking, like, S-tier Rattata you've been carrying across nine games to feel complete? Is that what you need to feel whole? If it is, okay, cool, I'm not going to yuck your yum on this one, but, like, shut the fuck up, too. <laughs> Your, your sexual fetishization of having a complete Pokedex should not be something to talk about online in this much detail. Like, I, I get it, some of you are completionists. But, you can fill the out the in-game Pokedex. The tagline is literally, gotta catch them all. When you have 700 plus monsters, which I think is the number we're at at this point, maybe mm -hmm. it's time for some to go extinct. Just <laughs> saying. Apparently a few of them have been kind of eaten to the close of extinction i sure i which is kind of funny i think but. yeah i it and <laughs> i'm really enjoying this game i think it does some fun stuff like I, I i don't think the starting pokemon are super great this time around like i there are some legit gripes you can have with this game like i have i have some, i've had some weird technical issues with the game um the lack of voice acting of any kind, even just some, like, simish bullshit or something, seems weird now that I can play this game on my TV. Like, when it was a handheld and I had my sound off at all times, it didn't matter to me. And increasingly, it now seems kind of weird to just do the text box field. I get why you would do that, ways you translate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, like, I would be okay with just kind of like a Charlie Brown what, 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 or something. When characters are talking to you, because I, this is probably my most like old man yells at cloud, okay, boomer moment while playing this. I remember <laughs> back when the story of Pokemon was you were like some young teenager slash ten year old, like something in that range that went off and like got involved in like taking down a terrorist organization slash criminal 
organization, ghost busting. Like the, the story of Pokemon was, I'm gonna do all these things so I can go around and fuck shit up with my increasingly like parallel to God level Pokemon kind of thing. Like <laughs> the, the fact at the end of Red and Blue, you were a fucking like not twenty year old walking around with like the three weather god birds, a genetic <laughs> monstrosity, and like several other Pokemon just, like, casually shoved in a bank. They're like, this Pokemon is the god of nature. Not a god of nature, the god the of god nature. Of nature. <laughs> I, I, I miss the simplicity of that. Like, I, it's... I've missed Team Rocket since they went away kind of thing. Like, I... I mm-hmm. all, the te- all the teams since, I think, have been garbage. I Team Skull or whatever the fuck they were called, and some of them are just, like, fucking burnout beat boys. That was kind of funny, but, like, <laughs> I, I think it was, like, Black and White had a cool set of villains again, but, like, this, like, slow degradation of the antagonistic groups to, like, what they are now in Sun and Moon, and Sh- Sword and Shield, where it's, yeah, these guys are just, like, super fucking hardcore fans for this one person, and they're assholes as a result of that. I'm like, okay, I like, <laughs> I like that, because this is the first Pokemon game to, like, actively shit talk the Pokemon like hardcore community I think a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and I appreciate any time a game like canonically is like man these streamers and their like hardcore dedication fans are the worst (laughs) feeling called out (laughs) if you were like a hardcore Pokemon streamer specifically like a person with, like, a very, like, militaristic and or aggressive following, you should feel personally attacked by this game. <laughs> like, I, the Team Yell are quite literally just, like, hardcore super fans of this one other Pokemon trainer who you, like... I, I'm, like, I, I'm on my fourth gym in the game. I've only encountered... I've encountered them, like, three or four times. I've met the person they're, like, fucking hardcore into once, and they are just the most fucking neck-beardy, like, waifu-worshipping motherfuckers ever, and every time I fight them, I'm like, YES! Now go put on some deodorant, you fuckers. <laughs> Overall, I'm having fun with the game, like, the, the whole Scotland vibe is kind of neat, like, I, mm. I... I'm enjoying this Pokemon game where I enjoyed Sun and Moon, like, I guess it's, like, important to have a... This was a, like, recent low point for me, like, I... I, I really liked X and Y, um... This one brings the Dynamaxing, Gigantamaxing, AK making Pokemon gigantic, which just feels like another version of... They weren't called X-Attacks. That was the Sun and Moon thing, which were also kind of cool. These like the Mega Evolutions, where your Pokemon could just get cooler and new moves based on what the moves were. It's essentially that, just... So it's Digimon. Yeah... Well, that's what Mega (laughs) Evolution was. It was a temporary, like, super boost to your character. This is your character literally summons a, like, basketball-sized neon pink, like, data Pokeball, throws it over their head, and your Pokemon scales up to, like, fucking Godzilla size, which, if you're like me and you build teams of Godzillas, and that's what you do in Pokemon games, like, it's... You only, like, build teams around what you think are cool, like, not optimizations. Like, no, no, I'll just beat anything I need to death with, like, a 10-level advantage on it kind of thing. Like, <laughs> fuck, like, it's like, no, no, I want a team of dragons and straight-up murderers, yo. <laughs> you wind up with, like, just some kind of ridiculous, like, I have something called, like, uh, Carhole or something? It's 
it started off as essentially like a unicycle of rock, and then it turned into like this barrel of coal with like a demon face on it. And it's great at giant form because it's this like giant ghoulish, like big murder happy smiley face. It's just on fire, and you're like, "Yep, that's some nightmare fuel. Go murder things." <laughs> and I, I guess to rewind some, like the story of this game, at least I can piece together so far, is it's back to being about the gym battle climb. I guess is the way of thinking of it. There's no like parallel dimension Pokemon breaking through. There's no weird government conspiracy, you are just in, I think it's Garland is how you pronounce it, I'm not totally sure, which is like the Scotland upcountry UK parts of the Pokemon world kind of thing where, like, there's a fucking ton of sheep Pokemon, and the shit to watch on TV are the gym battles. Like, it's, the gym battles have kind of a cool, like, ninja warrior puzzle to them, and then, like, the actual gym battles are sprinkled out, and then the final boss is this big, like, arena battle. It feels cool. Like, it's got some of that Pokemon Stadium DNA in there, where it feels big, and, like, a shit ton of people are watching this happen in the middle of a stadium, and it's being televised. And it's neat to feel like that again while playing a Pokemon game. But also, like, you get out there in, like, your shitty esports jersey to fight the Pokemon for gym battles, and I think that's <laughs> also great. Like, the game straight up asked you one point, like, what number do you want in the back of your jersey for official battles? And I'm like, fuck yes, this is amazing. Yeah, it sounds like they're kind of trying to go back to the roots. You I know, it's like, they've, they've done a lot of exploring with different types of stories, and now it's just back to, you're a Pokemon trainer that wants to be the very best. It definitely feels like that, and I, I appreciate, I, I like this new kind of gym battle system they're doing. I think it's kind of a cool idea, like, the vibe of it is neat. I fucking hate how they handle your rival in this game. Like, I, I miss back in the days where, like, it was Gary from Pokemon or Blue, whatever the fuck his name was, <laughs> for your game. And, like, he was just a raging asshole to you. Like, you never liked the dude, and, like, you were going to overcome him, because fuck him. Uh, Hop is this incredibly annoyingly, like, we're going to make each other better because we're rivals. So I'm like, ah, yes, the shitty modern definition of rival, where it's like, Frenemy. No, no, I want the old school version of Pokemon Rival where you're like, man, I will fucking slit that fucker's throat when he turns his back and throw him off this SSN. Like, this fucker heals your Pokemon before you battle? No. I want this dude sneaking up being like, I know you just cleared out an entire boat of Team Rocket people, but I want to fight now. You have an advantage. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> That's the rival I want from Pokemon, and like you kind of had that X and Y because the rival was this just incredibly bitchy character. That's like fuck you, and I'm like fair. I respect this. This is what real <laughs> rivalry is. And then this one's like, no, we're best friends. I'm like fuck you, Hop. Get the fuck away from me. I am building a team to target your ass. What's this? Oh, I picked the Pokemon that's weak to your Pokemon for a starter. Bullshit. Yeah, no, I. I'm having fun with it. Probably, like, uh, there's the dungeon raid things, which feel kind of Pokemon Go with a, like, traditional Pokemon battle system. They're, they're, they're the social kind of combat activity you can do. I have not really engaged with that much. The wild areas are the big kind of revolution of this game, and the wild area is really a cool idea. Uh, so... Where this game differs from other previous games is you can see the Pokemon wandering around, like it's 
they, like physically the models are there wandering the tall grass, which is easier to avoid fights if you want, or you can get a better sense of what you're about to be fighting kind of thing. Like you see the Pokemon on the map, which is cool. There's a shit ton of them and makes you kind of wonder where it's like, man, there are so many of this quote, crazy rare Pokemon just in this grass right here. Like where's the SWAT team of scientists being like, where the fuck did all these come from? But I digress. Uh, the wild areas are cool. Like you wander around, like that's where all the weather happens. Like it's, it's the most dynamic of the spaces. It's the only space with camera rotation control. It's the open world part of this open world Pokemon game. Like you can, if you can see it, you can go to it, kind of thing. And there will be weird, like different zones to it, and it changes as you kind of traverse terrain. And it's this just big, wide open field area where you can kind of encounter anything. Like it's a great place where, if, like, if you get a good spawn of it, you'll get a good like plethora of like, oh, I can fill in some team holes I have right now and stuff. I, I'm incredibly impressed. I think it's really cool. I think it's, it's. In a game that tries to do lots of things, I think the giant Pokemon thing is kind of lame. If you hadn't had that and had, like, another wild zone or two, or, like, a, maybe I just haven't gone to it, but like more diversity in the, like, what you call it, the biomes available to it kind of thing, I'd be really mm-hmm. interested. Like, I, this is also a Pokemon game that's done away with needing to carry an HM, an HM slave Pokemon, like, there are ways to surf. Your bike has like a off in the water mode. You uh, you get like a flying taxi pass super early on in the game, so you can fly around. Like it's it's no longer like man, I gotta keep this like fucking sand slash on because he's got rock smash, cut and dig on him all the time kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, getting rid of that smart so you just have a team of Pokemon that are actually good at what they do kind of thing. I it's. I'm having a lot of fun with the game. The internet wants me not to have a lot of fun with the game. Like I, hmm. I, I'm not going to go into the hardcore depths of the game. I guess like I, I, I don't believe in competitive Pokemon, but like some of the guys I raid with in Destiny, they're also playing the game. We're swapping stuff back and forth and having fun with it. Like I, as someone who thinks Pokemon and video games in general should be fun first and competitive maybe second. Like you can have both, yes. and you can have competitive fun. The outrage surrounding this game feels kind of shitty. Like, I, if you want to make a Pokemon game that was devoid of all the, like, bullshit Pokemon no one really cares about, like, your Rattatas, your... Basically, everything from the first zone of every game, I'd be like, okay, cool, fuck it, who cares kind of thing. Like, there are whole swaths of Pokemon that, like, you just kind of cut from the franchise. Only people that are really into, like, completionist lists would care, I think. <laughs> and I fully admit to not being a giant hardcore Pokemon fan, but I have yet to, like, feel as though something is missing. Like, I think it's still garbage that we have two versions and all the Pokemon can't be gotten one game. Kind of like, That kind of pisses me off at this point, but it's keeping with tradition yeah. at that point. Well, it made more sense on the Game Boy. Yeah! Because it's so limited memory on a cartridge. Oh, no! Like, so it's like... Red and blue existed because we literally can't put every single Pokemon on a single cartridge and still have a game that you can play. Yeah, I, I, I do not now, believe the space limitations are the driving factor anymore. No. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, a lot of the things I think people hold on to as like traditional staples of this franchise, as someone who is not like a perpetual Pokemon player, I'm kind of like, eh, fuck it, who cares? Like, 
but at the same I understand. Like it's the I'm not gonna get into IV training. Like it's I get it. You people want like these games to be the way they are, and I respect that. But as someone who like just plays these games for fun, they were getting a little bit ridiculous, and, and it's it, it, nostalgic's the wrong word. But I'm not sure I necessarily want a long kind of convoluted story from Pokemon. Like I just want to do the gym challenge kind of thing. I, I just want to run the gym, and if you can make that path mildly interesting cool like I, it's if if you're making the pokemon story i want like you play as like a fucking teenager to a young adult who's like <sighs> what this game finally explains in a really cool way is and it doesn't explain it directly kind of it hints at this is the idea that like no you're actually really good at this pokemon thing it's not like it's you're not Ash. You're not Ash. You're just real. Like it's you are Ash to a certain extent. Like, but also it's the the story surrounding the gym challenge outlines this idea of like, yeah, a bunch of people never make it past the first gym challenge. Like it's the mm. it was always kind of the weirdness of the Pokemon games where it's like, okay, do some people just like never make it past Brock because like. Being a Pokemon trainer really seems to be a good profession. Like, yeah. And this game kind of is like, yeah, no, like the first, like the first two gym battles in this game are whatever. Like the first guy is literally just straight up a farmer for most of his time. And he's like, yeah, I do this Pokemon <laughs> thing because I can, kind of thing, whatever. And then the third gym battle is like, no, I'm the roadblock. Like it's the anyone who beats me is like serious into the shit. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like so, the it sets mm. the stakes down, I guess, at that point. Like. It's like to the point where, like, at after the gym battle's over, they have a cinematic of the first three uh, bo- uh, gym bat- uh, bosses coming out and being like, yeah, so you made it past the first hurdle. Cool. Like, most people don't make it this far. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I think like that's it, a good... Like it, it, that's good storytelling. It plays with the stakes of, like, no, no, you're actually really fucking good at this. Like, it's the... Your... Like, your, your friendship bond or whatever with your Pokemon is a rarity in our world where, like, yeah, we fucking have fields of these sheep and shit, but, like, you are capable of getting more out of your Pokemon than most other people are kind of thing. Like, I, it, it sounds dumb, I know, but it kind of it sets a no, cool stakes it, of the world. Of like, no, it sounds this is, amazing, yeah. because I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of the people that are, that are awful at dealing with their Pokemon, so it's like, they're like, I choose you, Squirtle, and Squirtle just kind of walks around in a circle and goes yeah. to sleep. And just kind of, you know, poops in a corner. And it's just like... It, it ties uh, in kind of the idea of the show where it's like... <laughs> most people... Yeah, it, it ties in the idea <laughs> of like... No, in the show, Pokemon are often like either more wild animals or more like having a shit ton of cats. They're domesticated, but like you can't make them do shit when you want. This game kind of plays with the idea of like... Yeah, no, we fucking eat the sheep Pokemon. Why? They're fucking sheep. The fact that my nephew can make them fight effectively is kind of weird. We're gonna televise <laughs> it, but, like, it's not something most people can do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's really cool, because I don't think they've ever really focused on that, like you said, that that if you're a Pokemon trainer to get this far, you are actually super unique, because most people can't even get their Pokemon to not poop in the corner of yeah, their room. Yeah, it, it drives home this idea of, like, I... I, I know it sounds dumb. I'm sure I'm, I'm the wrong person, definitely, to be talking about like Pokemon lore. But have a game finally kind of just flat out say, 
yeah, the reason a bunch of people have, like, fucking Rattatas as pets isn't because they want a Rattata, it's because that's their level of Pokemon ability kind of thing. Like, it's, mm -hmm. like, Pokemon are fucking dangerous to most people. It's why we fucking shoved so many of them away in, like, power plants and shit. Yeah, I now I just want to see an anime of people that are awful with their Pokemon, well, like so people that actually truly suck I've at dealing with their the Pokemon. Impression, I've only read it a couple times, and it does seem to line up with this. Like, the Pokemon manga, where the main character is just straight up called Red, is mm, gritty yeah. in that way. Like, in that one, I've gotten the impression, like, Team Rocket is full-on, like, a terrorist organization. Like, they use electrodes as, like, self-detonation devices and shit. Like, they are straight up doing, like, murk-ass shit. Like, they will hmm. murder you to steal your Pokemon and shit like that. But I, I want to see the people that are, like, that are the ones that can't get past even the first gym because their Pokemon just kind of goes in circles and then, like, bites no, and, their leg and, 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 and pees on no, a and tree. That's what I'm getting at. That's what this manga is about. Like, it's the idea that, like, not everyone is a good Pokemon friend. Like, it's, it's, it's full of lots of, like, one-sided fights of someone having, like, quote, a strong Pokemon and no control over them. And mm. it, it's like, okay, yeah, I fought a lot of bunch of people that were basically swimmers later on. It's like, no, no, they're, like, they're swimmers, and, like, their Pokemon are borderline feral, potentially. Like, <laughs> or, like, you're just fighting the Pokemon that were around them at the time. Like, I, it's, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It doesn't totally kind of explain how this entire world works, but it does set a stakes for the environment I enjoyed, I guess. Like, the idea that, like, no, no, you're really fucking good at this. We're finally saying it. It's not like just like it's the not everyone gets this far. And we know we know we keep saying like not everyone makes it to the Elite Four kind of thing, but you sure seem to get here pretty easily to a certain extent. It's like, no. These are roadblocks. We will flat out say, yeah, most people don't get this far. It's why we televise it kind of thing. Yeah, I just want to see the person who's like, I choose you, Charizard, and he just pops out and just sets you on fire. Just just sets well, the guy on fire. It's like... For a chunk of time, but <laughs> Yeah, there's some other smart changes. I'm not sure when they changed it, but now, at least as far as I know, your gyms don't, your gym badges don't dictate what level Pokemon you can control. They dictate mm. what level Pokemon you can capture. So if you're like mm. me and you have a couple kind of fucking hitters in your team, you just use a bunch. You don't have to let them over leveling yeah. you. Where it's like, ah, I'm fucked because I played too much of this game. Shit. It's like, no, no, you just can't catch stuff at that level. Okay, that makes more sense. Mm. They're loyal sons of bitches still. Yeah, I I overall like the game. I think, like, I don't like my Switch still by quite a large margin. Like, I still think it's a not-great system, and I think that this game kind of shows, again, some of the weird limitations of the Switch. I I have tech... I, I flat-up lost three hours, like, of progress at one point. The game auto-saves for you by default, and that makes certain things like catching legendaries a little more kind of problematic and stuff, so... You can turn it off and enable manual saving. But then I had something happen that I had never had happen on a Game Boy previously. I had the fucking Switch, like, crash out on me. And now I have auto-saving turned back on, because I lost three hours of progress. Whoa, I didn't... I've... I'll say this, I have rarely seen a modern console properly crash, like, game-wise. Like, I haven't seen that in quite a while. I mean, it's it's... 
consoles have become increasingly kind of stable for the most part, as this, have games for consoles, but... I, this is probably just kind of where I come at from every Switch game at this point, but, like, this game especially feels like, what would this game be like if we were on a more powerful console? Like, what could this game mm. have been if you could throw kind of the internet infrastructure of the PS4 or the Xbox One or the PC at a Nintendo property? Like, what is the Monster Hunter world of the Pokemon franchise like kind of thing? Like, it's because mm. the jump of what that game was from its predecessors is insane. Like, it's the do you get like that full on Pokemon Stadium vibe kind of thing? Like, do you get Pokemon style combat finally in a mainstream Pokemon style game? Like, it's the what does a game with just that much raw power behind it look and feel and play like is something I will never get an answer to. But desperately want, yeah. I, overall, I like the game. It's got kind of a cool look to it. I, it's it's Pokemon, like it's not going to win any graphical awards, kind of thing. But the Pokemon it looked good. The moves look cool. The super giant stuff I think is silly, but it's also kind of fun when you do it in the gym battles. So, yeah, it, it's it is yet another Pokemon game. Like, hmm. it's a bit more kind of return to form than the predecessors, I think. Like, this is a little more in line with kind of the typical Pokemon game. There's not some kind of weird sci-fi background. Oh, there kind of is, like, about to have a Pokemon go giant. I, I Part of me, like, it's... Part of me almost wishes we get a game where it's like, okay, we're making the dream of, like, we're doing gold again with HD graphics and kind of a bunch of the modern conveniences. So you just go from, like, the Johto region to the Kanto region, or whatever the fuck the two regions that were in Pokemon are called. Like, you have the entire fucking world to play around in, and then we'll fucking start bolting on other locations as time goes on. Like, Pokemon the MMO is something I would be very curious about. Mm. And, like, this is kind of close to, like, it, it has a nice open-world feel to it. Like, it feels like you're in the world of Pokemon, down to, it flat-out just confirms people eat fucking pokemon in this world like slowpoke right. tail is a thing you eat several of the fish pokemon you can catch are a thing you just fucking eat which i i i love the fa that fact honestly that you know i I, ca I picked up on that that now they've made it they can't they've always hinted at it they've i i don't remember if they've actually just let you make food out of pokemon before and now you can just do that apparently you can just make food out of pokemon Make curries in particular. Yeah, I, there's always been stuff, but like this game kind of fully just lifts the veil and goes, "Yeah, we we get it." Like this is this game is straight up dogfighting. Like it's one of those ones where it's like, "No, no, the, the squirrels you encounter are just fucking squirrels." This is just a world where you can like mentally communicate with squirrels and make them do something once you catch them in a trap, kind of thing. Like it's it's how the biology of this world works, kind of thing. Like you you form that spirit bond, if you will. Like. I, Sure, we got fire squirrels, but also, like, no, it's it's just, this is the world you live in, kind of thing. Like, and it all yeah. starts to play with the idea where it's like, no, no, and most of the things don't make it past their, like, basic form. Like, it requires mm. that human element, or they're just fucking badass monsters to get to those larger forms, kind of thing. Like, I, it's weird, like, the whole idea of most people fucking suck at Pokemon helps explain the idea of, like, why there aren't just fucking Tyranitars running around everywhere. It's like, no, you require, <laughs> like, Tyranitars are rare, and the fact that you managed to train your Tyranitar at all is a fucking impressive feat kind of thing. Like, 
the fact that you managed to get one of these monster demon mountain eating Pokemon to go through the process of metamorphosis into that thing is nuts. Like only the badasses of the badassest in the wild do that. Yeah, that which just makes sense because otherwise the world would just be like yeah. unlivable for humans. It'd just be like yeah, just imagine if everything was mega evolutions walking around. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, you wouldn't see humans walking around, I'll say that. Yeah, yep. no. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah there again, it makes more sense. That, yeah, most Pokemon never evolve, period. They just are in their base form until they Yeah, pass. And, I, and I think it's kind of... like, And that's mostly what the kind of wild areas are. Like, you occasionally have like a high-level badass wandering around. It's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, the leader of this pack of Ark of... um. Uh, what's it called? The uh, Growlithe would be the one that evolved into an Arcanine. Got it. And like, it's appropriately badass ranked and stuff. Like, it's got special moves. It's powerful. Like, it's. I fought an Onyx early on that was like a thirty-five level Onyx. I'm like there with my level fifteen team. I'm like, shit. Yeah, this makes sense. But I digress. I, as someone who does not care that much about the Pokemon games, was like, yeah, I'll play this one. I got a trip coming up in the future. I could use something to play on a plane. I like it, but also, like, if you're someone that cares about, no, nah, they all have to be there, maybe ask yourself why, and, like, then go buy <laughs> this if you like Pokemon. Like, I, there, there are, like, like I said, there are several valid criticisms about this game in my book. Like, the, technically, the game's not doing much. Like, the world does feel pretty empty at times. I, <clears throat> but also, it's been every fucking Pokemon game to date. Like, well, uh, what was the one that was more recent where you could actually see the Pokemon this in one has walking that. around? This one has that. Like, oh, it's, okay. I'm talking about like, in the town centers. It's like, yep, here are some buildings. Like, There's not a lot to do in Pokemon games, especially this one, except fucking murder other Pokemon. And like, if mm. you're looking for more than that, like, you're just put, the whole like camping thing is cool. You can play fetch with your mons, and that's it. And you can make them delicious curry, and that's kind of neat. But like, that's about it. Like, previous games had, like, whole grooming things you could do to them after battles and stuff, and it's like, I'm gonna go camping now. I'll be fun. Mm -hmm. I can get with a bunch of murder creatures, and they're like, you want some curry made from instant ramen noodles? They're like, yeah! <laughs> then we'll play fetch. Or you want some curry made of others of you? I, as someone <laughs> who has strongly always believed that Magikarp is delicious, none of this surprises me. Like, everything eats Magikarp in that world, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the game, but again, I'm not like the hardcore Pokemon fan base. Like, I, it's as someone who came back to this being like, why the fuck am I playing this? All oh, right, podcast, and there's a weird amount of controversy around the fucking Pokemon game. I'm having fun, mm. but like, I, I know one of my cousins was like, "Fuck that!" They took too much out, and I'm like, "Okay, cool, weirdo." But yeah, that's no, been most of what I've been up to. I did some VR stuff. Uh, at a industry event thing that made me mildly motion sick, which further confirms just how impressive some of the other VR stuff we've talked about in the past. Like, I, that arcade-level VR fucks with me mm -hmm. still. It's like, ah, oh, I want to vomit now on your helmet. Congratulations. <laughs> News? News. Um, just want to start with the big news for you, Henry, this week, which is the Sonic movie. Sure. All right, so, so we got yeah. The, the Sonic movie has new Sonic. It looks good. We can thank uh, one of the artists behind that Sonic. Um, Sonic uh, Mania, Sonic right? Sonic Mania, yeah. That that 
that fan game Which, that kind of just fucking people are like, yeah, this is the best Sonic game made in decades kind of thing. Yeah, well, so, I mean, it was made by by Sega, ultimately. Yeah, I but mean, like it was developed by a not-Sega company, by a not-Sega group. Yeah. Yeah, a little more complicated than normal Sonic development, yeah. I guess. But, I mean, I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest takeaways here, and I've seen at least a few people remark on it, is they listened to feedback from the fans. Like, yeah. they didn't just, like, eh, you know, kind of hand wave it off and, like, yeah, you'll learn to like it. No, they're like, all right, we'll just completely redo this. And that's no small feat. That's yeah. a lot of, that's a ton of extra work. Like, I mean, so, yeah, that's a lot of film. They have to re-stick in a brand new character model. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, yeah, and he looks great. He looks good. I think, I mean, they've, they've gone, well, you know, when it first happened, I talked about the, you know, uncanny valley effect. And to get out of it, you have to either go way more realistic or way more not realistic. And so they went the cartoony route. He looks more like a cartoon, and that's fine. Yeah, they've stepped out of weird, yeah, kind of the weird uncanny valley by just going more cartoony, which, there again, that's what the fans wanted, and they did it. And so it's like, I think you have to give them a lot of credit for, for taking the feedback and not just hand-waving it off. So, yeah, and now he, yeah, I watched the new trailer, and he looks good, he's animated well, he has the personality, I mean, yeah, I think it's gonna be a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, I, as someone who does not care about this movie at all, it looks better now, at least. So, yeah, I, yeah. I was definitely gonna watch it anyways, but now I'm absolutely gonna watch it. Thank you, Tyson Hesse, Hesse? <laughs> I forgot your name, sorry, man. Hmm. <laughs> But yeah, the uh, yeah, I think that's cool, very cool. But yeah, it's a it's an example of a company listening to its fans. Blizzard. Uh, where to go from here? I, I, sadly, Alex is not here for more anthem news, if you will, because it's, it's it's his favorite game to say it's dead, Charlie. Too. <laughs> uh, so nothing's been super confirmed yet, but a bunch of outlets this week kind of ran stories about how. There are some pretty credible rumors rolling around that there's going to be kind of a Anthem 2.0 launch, not an Anthem 2, a like full relaunching of Anthem the game, which, again, as someone who like recognizes that game's many, many flaws, but also still thinks the core idea of that game's actually really fucking good, I'm excited for this. Like, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it, but a bunch of articles... There's enough buzz on this topic that it seems we're gonna get like a realm reborn relaunch of Anthem, which would be really cool. I there are ideas in that game as a live service game and as kind of a loot shooter I don't want to see die yet. Like the the Iron Man aspecting of that game is cool. But yeah, like despite every fucking sign pointing to the alternative, like just people leaving, apparently there's still signs of life, so yeah. Uh, no official kind of comments from EA itself, just kind of wild speculation rumors, so... Yeah, I... It's weird to realize that that game came out in the year we're still talking right now. Yeah. Like, and then, yeah, it was declared dead, and then declared for a possible revival now, that's... Well, that's, that's what happened... That's, uh, that is what happened to Realm Reborn... That's what happened to Final Fantasy, what, 14, technically? Like, it's... It's not... Yeah. Totally insane... But, like, it feels like we've been talking about how that game has been dead for 
at least a year, not a little over half a year. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to tackle next? Um, hmm. I don't know. Let's do another qu- couple quick ones. Um, the Bungie kind of fundraiser, the Bungie Cares thing, uh, uh, through Game to Give, they raised $1.6 million for charity. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. To do kind of on their own without, you know, it's and it really was just Bungie yeah. that did this. And yeah, you know, that's and they and they at least also provide something like you can unlock in-game rewards. It's a real cool ghost shell that I just lost track of time so I couldn't get it and also didn't support mm. them through this unfortunately. But yeah, it's it's kind of yeah, they're hey, well done on uh actually like doing good, Bungie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good thing you're not a part of Blizzard anymore. They're never part of Blizzard, they're part of Activision. Or Active, sorry, Activision. Yeah. It's just their launcher, yeah. Um, where'd it go? Uh, this is some releases, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure how this made it onto the list, except I'm weirdly curious about this game. Uh, Bleeding Edge, that Ninja Theory uh, multiplayer game that we got the weird pictures from from E3 last year that's just got some real personality behind it. Uh, has a release date of March 24th, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. It's not clear what the fuck that game is still, but... Yeah. I mean, it looks like there's a lot of melee combat, and that's yeah. mainly... And that interests me. I like I like games with melee combat, to be perfectly honest. So, so. the weirdest thing is, and I have no idea what happened to it, a couple years back, Bethesda unveiled this... I think it was primarily third person, but it was a like it was a hero shooter that was primarily melee focused kind of thing. Like it was league, but real close in kind of thing. Like maybe in first person a couple instances. I, I don't remember. And it was at oh, yeah. two threes, and that just fucking vanished. And I played that game at E three. And was also, that Smite? I think it was called Battle Cry or something. Like oh, it, it kind of had like an almost like a, a like a nondescript Asian martial art inspiration to it. Like mm. the classes were like the three factions were kind of like Russian Asian look, Japanese Asian look, and kind of like generic Chinese Asian warrior look kind of thing. Like a little weird in that category, especially given that they were colored armies, but like it was guys with like just giant like telephone pole weapons versus people with like cloth things and they had pretty distinct abilities and stuff like that. And it was like a capture the flag or like zone control mode kind of thing. I yeah, I it just kind of cool. never came anywhere. Yeah, it just kind of disappeared. I guess it never really caught on. I never came out. Oh, did it not come no. out? at all. Oh, it's not that That's I'm familiar even with. Weirder. Yeah. In any case, we got Bleeding Edge though. Yeah. I think it was Battle Cry. Hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I just looked it up. So that yep. was a thing that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, we go into positive or negative or neutral. Let's do ten. Do, let's do ten. Okay, all right, all right. So we got we got three news about ten cent. So it's kind of seems, the same news in different forms. Yeah. So as and we've been reporting on them for a while. Like I've kind of made it a point to to you know from just a kind of very business sense you know, business perspective, what they're doing and why it makes sense. 
And yeah, apparently the whatever they're doing has been ridiculously lucrative. I mean, that's they made four billion just in the third quarter. Surprise, surprise, loyal listeners! Tencent is killing it. Yeah. So yeah, so they are absolutely destroying it. I mean, they've got a major partnership with with Nintendo, which is huge. Uh, let's remind people what that is. Like the, they are how Nintendo games get into China. Yes, as well as the Switch itself. Yeah, and Nintendo hardware, I guess, yeah, too, technically. Yeah, and so, yeah, they are the portal because, yeah, for any company to work within China, as I've mentioned before, they have to partner with a Chinese company. So, and that, and the major one is Tencent, and they are, and they're using that money, and they're using the opportunity to basically stretch out and do whatever they want. I mean, so other news is they, they now have a stake in Sumo Group, now you may not know the name necessarily. I sure Sumo as hell Group, don't. But uh, a little big planet three. Um, oh, yeah. As well as a lot of studios that work under its umbrella. Uh, Dear Esther uh, is another. Uh, uh, the Chinese room is under the Sumo Digital, the part of their group. So there's a lot of companies working under there. So they've got their fingers in a lot of different things now. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, they're they're stretching out. They want their money any way they can. I mean, so, yeah, they're, they're going nuts on that. So, the other news is, they're looking to enter, start making games for the Switch, which is not something they've done yet. They have not made games for consoles. They haven't, they don't, they haven't made any PS4 or anything, you know. So, they are looking to enter the console market with help from Nintendo, essentially. And that's also kind of big news. That's a big jump. Do you think we ever see a Tencent console? They have their own like Steam level launcher and stuff now. Yes, I think I think what we'll see is a a budget level con- console from Tencent. Like it's it's going to be a cheaper than Switch. They're gonna they're looking at the Switch obviously because it's a cheaper system. There again, like I mentioned this before, um, like mainland China, they're they're. Their currency, yuan, is like paper money. It's 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 like monopoly money. It's not worth a whole lot on the market. So everything they do that makes money is basically through Hong Kong. And so and so your average person doesn't have tons of money to pick up a say a PS4, but they will, especially if it's something that's like kind of cheaper than the Switch, but still does like a lot of games. You know, it's good enough to play a you know, at least, you know, play a game on a TV. And I think we're going to see something like that, or maybe even, because they aren't going, I don't think they'll make a, because they already work with the mobile market, so I don't think they'll be working to make, like, a Nintendo DS, or even a Switch, you know, portable style system, So let me throw out a weird idea, like, do you think they make the idea of the affordable Steam box a reality, where it's like the 10 cent box, though, instead? Yes. I think it's going to be something similar to that. It's going to use existing hardware that they can, because they can source right out of China because so much stuff is manufactured there. So they're going to get hardware that's inexpe- relatively inexpensive and put together a sort of all-in-one system that you know people can buy for like you know a hundred bucks or something that plays a lot of games in an official capacity or a semi-official capacity at least. So. Nonsense! I just bought the Ouya when that thing went belly up. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's 
So yeah, I, I think they're going to, I think this might be a sign that they're looking to maybe, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a interesting and possibly very true prediction. Yeah, well, we'll see, I guess. I, mm. It'll be one thing if it happens, it'll be nothing if it comes internationally, I think. Like, I, it's... Yeah, yeah I, it's, no, I, I don't think it'll be done internationally. I think it'll be as console that exists with, basically, it's just a fourth. Yeah, just for the Chinese market. Sure. Makes enough sense, but, yeah. I, you ever wonder just how much money Tencent is worth? Now you kind of know. Yeah. Um, Let's keep on this kind of weird train up. Tell me about the Rune 2 devs, Henry. Alright, so this is a bizarre story, and it's... Uh, so, not a lot of people are familiar with even Rune or Rune 2. It's, um... I sure as hell I, I mean, it's an, it's an action RPG. So, I mean, with kind of based in Viking times, which honestly sounds kind of cool. I mean, it takes place during Ragnarok. And so, it, it's just sort of like you hop in and you brutally just rip enemies apart. And it's... Yeah, I mean, maybe... Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, tiny Skyrim, in in a certain sense, but, but with more emphasis on sort of bludgeoning combat. But in any case, really bizarre thing has happened, <laughs> and this is unusual. This usually might see in I don't know, it's all right. So the developer that worked on this game is called is a developer called Human Head Studios, and. So Rune 2 just just the day after the title launched Human Head Studios announced that it closed their doors and that was their final release which came as a big surprise to the publisher who is Rag- Ragnarok game who were super surprised by it they were they were uh, locked basically had already agreed to long-term support for it as publishers tend to do, you know. And now they're just like, what? <laughs> like, and they, they, they found out apparently when the public did, which is even more bizarre. So, so Human Head didn't tell them that they were doing this. And so there's not going to be, like, they're going to have trouble doing technical support for this game, if it, you know, which every game's kind of going to require that. And it's like, they're a publisher. They aren't. They aren't. They, and they won't have access, I, as far as I know, to the code. So it's like, if it has some major bugs, I could I'm not buy sure it hypothetically, who's, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, but yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen there because the ownership of Rune Two is now it's like up in the air. I mean, Human Head Studios officially still would own it, I guess, in a sense, but they've closed their doors. So it's like. What even happens here? I'm not a you know I'm not a lawyer person, so I don't really know. But it's it's just bizarre because the publisher was surprised by the news. They're like, "You're you're doing what? We had already like made an agreement for like like a long term support agreement." And so the now, shit do you think you're going, fuckers? Yeah, and what was even more bizarre is they're closing the doors to start a new studio. So that's even more puzzling. Why? There must have been something weird going on there. For them, I mean, something I have no, I can't even speculate on what would cause them. Well, I mean, it's like, usually it's like when the studio closed down, it's like, oh, I see why they probably closed down. They weren't making enough money or whatever or 
something happen, whatever. But in this case, they're just closing down to reopen. That well, what does reopening makes... mean? Like, is it a hundred percent the same people, or like, are they missing That's some execs clear. or something? Yeah, like I, I, I could totally imagine a world where it makes more sense to like get rid of some of the ownership is to just to close down and sell out kind of thing and then like off to the right being like okay we're starting up with four of the five original people in charge and you'll have your jobs again but like we're a slightly different company now from a legal standpoint yeah um at least to me that's what this all feels like yeah uh, oh yeah and apparently they've come under under ownership of Bethesda sure that's uh, just the whole this is it's just bizarre I mean the reasoning like I said the publisher being completely blindsided by this I mean according to them and we can only work on reports that we actually have they were like uh we thought we were supporting this game I guess we're still going to they're still going to try to launch it on multiple platforms too but wow that's weird yeah file that one under WTF but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Probably more on this in the future at some point, just a guess. Yeah. It's it's a weird story. Yeah. Alright. Uh so when when this went up on the news, I actually thought we'd already talked about this a couple weeks ago, but no, uh Epic is suing another or suing another yeah, another tester for Fortnite leaks. Yep. I, I mean it's not unexpected. Yeah. I mean since they already sued one person, they're just gonna move on to another person. So, um, yeah, there. This one is claiming this tester is claiming ignorance. Apparently, he took a screenshot while testing, and then the image ended up on a Fortnite forum. Mm-hmm. So, got circulated there. So that's what he's getting sued for. And yeah, I mean, if if they can prove that he did it maliciously and that he actually disseminated the image himself and it wasn't hacked or copied by somebody else, yeah. then he's just, he's kind of screwed. Yep. I, 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 we both work industries that have pretty aggressive NDAs with some frequency. It is yes. fascinating with some frequency how little people actually understand. No, this is a legal document you signed. Like, don't fuck yeah. with this. Yeah, I mean, I've had to sign NDAs just for an interview. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, I'm very aware of how aggressive they are. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Xbox now. We've got a bunch of Xbox. Uh, no, sorry. We have one more Fortnite thing to talk about before we move on from Fortnite. They put Star Wars stuff in Fortnite. Uh, by that we mean there are skins now in Fortnite, most notably of which is Stormtrooper. Yep. The Disney merger with Fortnite is now complete. Maybe it's just the Stormtrooper, actually. It might be. I mean, they, they, a lot of these things have been like, we're adding one new skin yeah. and like maybe a weapon or something. Uh, or but also something. if you get Fallen Order, which apparently is a fantastic game uh, from the Epic Store, you'll get it for free. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Hmm. I'm actually kind of waiting for this type of cross promotion to start happening on the Epic Store where it's like, yo, we got this stuff. Buy a game that we don't have any stake in. We'll give you this free thing in our big kind of franchise game. Which is what they've done a lot in Steam. Yeah. I mean, I have, I've, like, for instance, for as, for a long time there, it's like, if I bought a game, I would get some weird thing in Team Fortress. I have a, I have several Team Fortress items that came from buying other games. So, that's a, that's a thing that has been done. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, Fortnite's starting to do that as well. Yeah, like, 
Uh, Plants vs. Zombies, if you bought that, like, you get a hat, a special pylon cone hat for Team Fortress, yeah. too. So, yeah. Indeed. Um, talk about Xbox, though, now. Uh, so... All right. I didn't even know XO. I didn't even know the XO one hundred and nine was a thing until news started coming out from it. I, it's same. It, yeah, it appears to kind of be Nintendo's equivalent of the Sony Play event they used to do, or the PSX. That's what I'm looking for. And further, kind of calls into question: Yo, is E uh, three gonna be around for that much longer? Yeah, but this is yeah. this is kind of an interesting time to do it in. I mean, it's before the Christmas season, so I mean. It makes a hell of a lot more sense in some ways yes. to do it now than E3 yes. does in some ways, but yes, I uh, you know I, I but I see some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, coming let's out let's, of let's it, run through the list, I guess, of things that got announced as part of this. Um, bunch of games got announced. You've got Tell Me Why, which is the new game from Don't Nod. We'll talk about this game more in a little a couple minutes when we get through this. Uh, Rare announces a game called Everwild, which. Looks cool. Yeah, I'm not sure how to describe it more than that. Like, it's is that the tiny one I'm thinking of, or I'm thinking of something else? Mm, no, like this a, is like it's. It, there's not much on gameplay in the trailer, though. Yeah, it's just it just looks really beautiful. That's kind of all we're getting, That's and you just see a lot of wild, it, yeah, a lot of animals, a lot of like cryptids and stuff, and yeah. That's all we really get to see of it, but it looks cool. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 2, and 12, and all of the 13s and 15 are all coming to Game Pass for the Xbox, which is a pretty big deal. It's a lot of games. Yeah, that's a big package. Yeah, I'm also arriving at some point, Streets of Rage 4, My Friend Pedro, The Witcher, and uh, some other stuff, as always with these types of announcements, are coming that have not been announced yet, so... Yeah, it's kind of worth mentioning in part of this vein. It got out there that, despite being part of the Game Pass, Gears 5 outsold Gears 4, even though it was offered for free. So, best <laughs> of both worlds kind of thing for Microsoft going on right now. Because mm -hmm. Gears 5, hell of a game, but also, well, people are still buying that on top of that. The Yakuza mm. series is finally coming to the Xbox. Uh, you're getting Yakuza 0, Yakuza Kiwami 1, Yakuza Kiwami 2, and... I'm assuming our, the other games that are coming out in the near future will come out to that as well, but more importantly, those three games I just mentioned are coming to the Game Pass in early 2020, so yeah, if you ever care about Yakuza and have not owned a Sony console, here's your chance. Uh, the original uh, Kingdom Hearts games are coming to, or sorry, Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5, and 2.8, god, I fucking hate Kingdom Hearts for that reasons, uh... are coming to the Xbox. Ugh. <sighs> Halo Reach is getting added to the Master Chief Collection, which is a big fucking deal for lots of people. Wasteland 3, mm. 3 will be available May 19th, 2020. Uh, there's a Sea of Thieves kind of big update coming November 20th as well, which is only a couple days after this goes up. Uh, Nexion's Cart Rider game. Is this West of Dead? No, that's um, Cart Rider Drift is coming early 2020. It's going to come to everything eventually, but first to Xbox. West of Dead, which is a cool art style, is coming November 25th in beta form. Ah, uh, this game looks cool. That kind of Killer7 art style going on. If it's any good, ultimately. Uh, Bleeding Edge, we already talked about. Maybe I should save that for now. And, ah, uh, fuck, how many more of these are actually real announcements on this list? Obsidian. Oh yeah, do the Obsidian one. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. 
That's a big one. What's the announcement, Henry? So it's a new game called Grounded, which seems to be kind of on the survival survival genre, like RPG-ish. So it's going to be yeah on the Xbox One. But yeah, the yeah, it was made at Obsidian. So I mean, it's very interesting. Uh, yeah. So and it looks kind of like like it's narrative around like kids. So I mean, the main characters all seem to be very, very young. So, whereas you know, Outer Worlds is definitely something for the adults, definitely like a world crafted and a system, and everything crafted for adults. This one seems to be aimed at kids. Yeah. And you know what? Not enough AAA games are for kids. Seriously, think about it. Like Nintendo's really kind of been cornering that market, and this one looks like, hey, survival or like kids. You know, for younger players, which, like, still are a major part of the market. You know, it's like, yeah, and I'm like, you know, and I'm look, I'm le- I'm seeing the design. And it looks cool. It looks fun. And yeah, I think more AAA studios should be thinking about, hey, you know what? People under thirty also play video games, and people in their teens, and such, even younger still play video games, so it's like, hey, more games for that, and you know what? Hats off to Obsidian for what very looks very much like a game aimed at a younger younger uh, uh, younger video gamer. So, that's cool. Yeah. And it's Obsidian, and you know what? I think it'll be good. We do we'll seem to see. like Obsidian here. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, so, as part of this, they had out there in detail the um, project, the uh, xCloud, or whatever the fuck it's called at this point there. Soon to be streaming service, and well, no, kind of, no big revelations got dropped as part of that. It looks like it might actually work pretty well, the whole streaming from your own Xbox thing. Still got some question marks around it. But in contrast yeah. to what else was talked about this week, kind of the final feature list of Stadia, we're going to transition to talk about Stadia for a second, and how it's really starting to look like... Um, the launch of Stadia may be a real thing we'll be talking about for a chunk of time. Uh, <laughs> the, the big revelation for Stadia is that it's just not going to work the way it's been advertised to. Like, it's going to require a tethered cable, not a tethered cable, an actual cable to your computer and stuff like that for the kind of base version of Stadia. Again, for the non-kind of hockey puck, uh, God, what's it called? The Chromecast version of it. Yeah been some major shortages of it it's still not really clear what you get for subscribing to stadia like i as someone who has this thing pre-ordered i am just frothing out the mouth to get my hands on it because this is gonna be a real interesting thing but let's go through the list of what won't be offered kind of at day uh at when this thing actually drops for us uh day one pc um, pc chrome gameplay won't have 4k hdr or 5.1 sounds those will come in 2020 um, how to explain this one? The whole stream connect thing—that a feature they were loading as like you could like join someone's game—that also will not be available. Well, that will hopefully launch by the end of the year. Um, the state share, the kind of crowd play stuff where you could save your point in the game—that won't be up and running until next year. Uh, the Google Assistant stuff won't be super integrated. That will be able to turn on and off your TV, but that's about it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Family sharing for games won't be a thing just yet. Um, 
There's no kind of achievement or kind of tracking system for that type of stuff in the UI just yet. Um, yeah, it'll come. It's coming shortly, apparently. So if you do stuff, it'll show up. So that's cool. Um, yeah, the uh, Chromecast uh, Ultras that are included in the Fortnite kind of founders premium stuff are the only way to get to work on a TV right now. Mm. The existing Chromecast Ultras will have to get an update in the near future, but won't work at launch. Weird. Yep. Weird. Uh, the Buddy Pass system will also not be working. It's, um, that'll show up about two weeks after I get my Stadia, so... Henry and Alex, look forward to your Stadia passes like sometime after Thanksgiving, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm increasingly thinking that Google, Google doesn't know what it's doing here. Oh, this gets worse. Currently, you have to use your phone to buy games. Hmm. Can't but only Google Pixel phones, yep. apparently. Yeah. Which I understand to a certain extent because, and I and I've just run into this in general for development for mobile games. Hardware varies wildly yep. over Android phones, so that's a thing. But yeah, yeah. So if you have a Google Pixel phone, you'll be able to use this on your phone, which I'm super excited about to try out. But uh, there's no timeline yet for general iOS or general Android support coming. So yeah. It's coming this year, apparently, but eventually is kind of the general larger scope of that. Um, like I said, you only have the wireless functionality with the controller. If you have a Chromecast Ultra, everything else will require that actual cable that comes with it. Um, and you only had those very few titles coming with this game. The only original is a game called Guilt, which appears to be kind of a survivally horror-looking thing. You've got, I think it's three different options for Tomb Raider. So there's that, if you want to. Hmm. <laughs> uh, there's a new estimate for kind of what data usage might reach and it is potentially 20 gigabytes an hour whoa that's a lot that's that's a lot that, that's just a lot I, to put it in perspective alright so I have a limited phone plan in a yeah. certain sense alright so I get a certain amount of data period at like fastest speed possible then like i have like and then the rest and then the rest of the data is still free i still get yep. like unlimited data it's just that it's, it's at a slower level after i use a certain amount of like basically throughput mine is only like i think it's 30 or 40 gigabytes before it goes to slower so yeah i won't be able to use that stadia app very long if i have it on my on my phone well, if you're not on wi-fi at least but yes it's so Let's put some kind of notes against that. The uh, the big ones for kind of the HD 4K uh, signal use, if you will, that's compared to the uh, 15.75 gigabit per hour they were previously estimating. But like if you if you drop it down to 720p stereo quality, uh, you're looking at kind of closer to 4.5 gigs per hour, which still isn't great. But it's a lot less. Meaningfully so. But if you yeah. have a data cap on your computer, Mm. On your internet usage, like for your general home, be wary of this thing. You can and I know people that do. Quickly. Like some people I I've known that are like still in rural or more at least like not as connected areas. Fuck most of they, Europe. And but I'm talking about even within the US, yeah, it's just like but yeah, most of Europe like data caps, so it's like Yeah, you're paying this much a month so you can play play on Google Stadia for two hours. Yep. <laughs> 
at this point in time, we should expect regular free games with the $10 a month Stadia Pro subscription, but there's been no confirmation of what the fuck those games are and what the timeline for that will be like. So, yeah. So you're, you're guaranteed to get Destiny 2, a free game, which admittedly is kind of all I care about. <laughs> we'll see how this all plays out. Um, You'll have about 10 minutes between ending a status stream on one device to swap to another kind of thing, so that whole dream of, yeah, you can just kind of jump between your streams from devices, that will be real, which is cool. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It does sound like, yeah, Google's increasing, like, we're not sure what we're doing now. It's been a bad week. Like A lot of stuff has come out that just kind of puts the whole situation of what the stadia is in big question marks like I, as someone who yeah. uh, i'm only getting out of pure curiosity and because destiny 2 yeah. on the go kind of thing like i it's the yeah. dumbest reasons possible but they're my reasons kind of thing and i'm in a unique situation where the ability to use a stadia on a computer kind of mobily um, has some functionality that maybe other people care about kind of thing like i but also doesn't matter, kind of thing. Stadia is definitely not for everyone. This is purely a kind of dark curiosity. The fact they're expecting you to spend like sixty bucks on games you have no kind of way of ownership of because they're on a streaming platform. I, yeah, like it. They've successfully taken the like digital market of the Steams and the Epics and made it worse because you super don't own anything anymore. Like it's even like, it's you, made you, it. You have no hardware even to download to. Well, think about this. It's basically the TV model now. Yeah, where you don't, you know, you don't like whatever you watch on your television. And, you know, if, if 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 you're using you know cable or satellite or you know whatever Hulu or whatever, you're paying a certain amount, but it's not like you get to keep those on DVD or something or keep them around on your computer even. Oh no, I'm talking about you, the fact that like you can buy the games through this because you have no physical thing to download to. Like, if Steam ever goes away, you're still kind of fucked. Like this is like the, yeah. you don't even have a computer anymore if Steam goes away in this instance. Yeah. So this yeah, so this is even a little harsher than that. And there again, like for me it basically turns it in into straight up the the current TV model. The you know, TV model of licensing in that you you buy nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean there again, I'm a big fan, big supporter of the idea of point of sale purchases. And this is just moving further away from that, I feel like. But, yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know. I don't like the movement away from it's, point of sale. Yeah, I, I think it's... Further away, I'd say. Someone who buys up to digital games at this point, yeah, it's increasingly kind of getting more asterisky in my mind. Yeah. And the Stadia stuff is a step too far in many ways. Like, it's... There's no discount to you as the consumer, at least on paper as of yet, so it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's not an especially good look. Nope. Especially not leading into this. Like I especially because Google has a bad habit of if something fails, they'll just walk the fuck away from it. Like what happens yep, Google you, Glass? Remember Google Google Glass? Yeah, I go one step further to be like, what happens if you buy like five or six games in Stadia and then Stadia kind of flops in on itself? Like you're just fucked at that point, probably. Yep. Yeah, and the thing is, at this point, I'm, and with all, with the various concerns, like, real concerns that I've heard about it from, you know, us and others, it's, 
uh, I'm not sure how many people are going to buy into this. I mean, apparently, the, I mean, their pre-orders are big, but I mean, that doesn't tell you about the 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 lifetime of it. Yeah, I mean, lots of things have done well on launch and then just kind of fizzled out. That's that's the thing that's happened. But I mean, it's you know, and that's the thing. It, to maintain it, it has to have those late sales. And if people are like, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to buy any more games on this. It doesn't work on my system and the internet that I have. Yeah, so... I, I think once this thing is out there and kind of more available, things are going to get real interesting. I can imagine a world where just some of the, like, stuff that's in the user agreement for it's going to be real interesting to read about online in a kind of more formal setting. I, it's, I, I could imagine just some agreements and stuff that's being just real fucking shitty in some really weird ways. Yeah. It, yeah, it's... The data usage aspects of it have never been like fully addressed, and they are indeed a problem. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for next week. But yeah, um, I'd like to wrap back around to talk about a game that was released during the X19. Oh yeah, we forgot to talk about that one. Yes, yeah, so we should talk about that more. So the don't nod who created the you know the very best selling game very popular game life is strange are have and announced life is their strange new too. yeah and life is strange too and have announced their next yeah their next project uh tell me why and the kind of uh, the bigger thing about it is the main character one of the main characters is going to be one of trans- the two playable characters that's the bigger deal yeah Playable characters, main playable characters, is a transgender man. So the uh, main characters are identical twins, uh, Tyler and Allison Ronan, and Tyler is a transgender man, which that's something that we haven't seen represented in media, period. Like, almost never represented like a transgender man. So, I mean, that's kind of huge, and it seems like it's really going to focus on their lives, so we're going to get a little bit about the trans experience through the, you know, through the storytelling, and I think that's, you know, it's not, and they said they're also, like, it's not his entire character, it's not, like, what defines Tyler, but it is a part of Tyler's story. Yeah. And they consulted with Glad, um, if you're not familiar with that, The story here is very much, like, the amount of effort put into being inclusive and accurate and fair in a portrayal is the real story yeah. here in some ways. It's Yeah, this this isn't pandering. This is we this was this is, you know, it is both we're going to have a you know, have a representative character or representation, but also we're not going to just focus the game entire, entirely on that. They said, you know, that's that's a that's a part of Tyler's history, but not not what defines Tyler. And I think that's especially important for him. I mean, that's so he, his story will, will include that, but it's not the main crux of the storyline. But it's also not a hastily shoved in idea, you know, just to pander to fans. Blizzard! Whatever so, you're getting at, Henry. So, yeah. Uh, it sounds like, I think it sounds like it could be a really cool game. We already know that Don't Nod is quite good at telling a story. Like the, you know, life, their previous games, Life is Strange. One and two. I mean, they're. I mean, that's basically they are one hundred percent about storytelling. So I mean, I expect a 
nuanced and interesting story out of this game as well. And it sounds like they've gone out of their way to make sure that it is nuanced and meaningful and representative. And so I think that's 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 really cool. I think that's really amazing. And I think it's fanta- absolutely fantastic news. And the way that they're, you know, it's like I said, it's it's not a weird pandering thing. It's not a, this is this is that, you know, this character is their gender identity. It is, there's a character with this identity that's a main character, playable character in a game. And that's, that's super cool. So, I like, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with that. My only concern at all is that I don't think that, uh, Don't Not has always had the best writing to go with it. Like, I, it's, they have a bad habit of tackling kind of important topics and then not having maybe the narrative skills to play it through. Like, I, the, the prequel to Life is Strange, the one you're playing as a Chloe, I think that's what her name is, mm-hmm. the blue-haired one, um, yeah. had some kind of bumbling attempts at a kind of uh, as at a lesbian relationship or same-sex relationship, whatever the correct term is, and it just didn't come off great, not because it was bad, but because it was badly written. <laughs> Mm. And as someone who played through all of uh, Life is Strange and thought about playing Life is Strange 2 and enjoys those games, but also like played through them and knows how fucking cringy Life is Strange is, it's maybe not troubling they're doing this, but I definitely am a little bit worried they're going to fuck up hard. Because they could do a great job, but good God, the writing in Life is Strange was just like, it made some things genuinely unlikable by the end for me, I guess, at least. Like, it it tried very hard to be a teenager, and it got, like, 80% of it correct, and then the rest of it was, wow, this is real bad. Yeah. But it's, it, the amount of effort, again, the amount of effort they're putting in, that's kind of the story here, like, unfortunately written games happen all the time, for better or worse, kind of thing. There's nothing we can do about that, except, yeah, hope it's not. But, yeah, and I'm interested in hearing more about what the game's going to involve, and yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I think it's a, it's good, you know, some good representation, not pandering yeah. representation, so. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, what's next? You put this one on the list, so I'm not so familiar with it, Henry. Uh, U.S. Veterans Affair thing and their accessibility to video games. You want to explain this one more? All right, so essentially, we're getting the uh, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, and they're looking to how, in a sort of a therapeutic sense, how accessible games, like especially like accessible hardware, can help wounded soldiers deal with their pain. And so we've seen this a lot. Like, I've seen it research for in children, in particular, like at children's hospitals, on how playing video games literally can take your mind off of the pain, you know, especially for people that have to deal with a certain amount of chronic pain. And also just other benefits, just psychological benefits of playing co-op games in particular as well. So playing games together. So they're looking for multiple things, but they are looking specifically at like the, you know, the, the accessible hardware, you know, accessible style controllers. If you're not familiar with that, it's controllers that usually offer some sort of completely, like, different and specially designed control scheme, like, for how you press buttons or how you, uh, you know, go in certain directions. You know, some of them are, like, touch-based 
rather you know for the joysticks rather than having joysticks that you have to manipulate which can be much easier some of them are just buttons being having more than one way of pressing the button and easier easier to press like less pressure to you know less pressure to actually press them down um sometimes it means hands free such as like being able to control with your like your voice and with where you're looking and so yeah i've seen a lot of work done in accessible accessibility for games and and so now like they're looking for the the department of veterans affairs is looking into how it can help veterans like deal, you know wounded veterans you know uh, deal with you know their situation and see if it can you know help them you know in their you know in their situation their psychological in a psychological sense and they yeah and i think that's very cool and so i think it's just great that they're like and we and the thing is like even in we when we touched we didn't we talked about this off air but it's like it's so off you know it's been you know what we've known when we were younger is seeing a lot of demonization of video games and we're still seeing that now as you know we saw you know the trump administration putting out a really dumb video about how horrible video games are and whereas we're seeing more and more i'd say nuanced and thoughtful you know thoughtful sort of ideas about video games and how to deal with them like you know as we've seen with the loot box you think loot boxes dealt with not in a ham-fisted way but in a very nuanced way but here we're seeing you know an actual government agency looking at hey these could actually be super super helpful for our veterans and so yeah the washington post reported on it and yeah and so yeah it's about you know like i said pain management and also just staying connected with people that's why and there again like cooperative games I'm, I've always been a big fan of cooperative games. I've mentioned that here on the podcast a lot as well. Like, Left 4 Dead 2 still remains one of my absolute favorite games. I love cooperative games. But yeah, and so what they're going to start doing is they're going to start hosting at the D.C. Medical Center, VA. They're going to host weekly sessions where veterans can come together play using the adaptive controllers. And and that way they'll be able to study the you know the benefits you know, in more detail, like in a better feel for the benefits that they're gaming that they're getting from playing games, and so that will also help in research about not just veterans but current currently enlisted enlisted soldiers on you know like how it can help them connect and help them feel and stay connected because I mean that's again you're posted in a place far away it can feel very easy to feel disconnected from your community. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, while they're on deployment, leisure time, you know, ta- and staying in touch with people that they knew, you know, for veterans with that they knew when they were still in the service, and now they're kind of spread around the country. You know, the people you're serving with aren't necessarily going to be your neighbors or people that come from the same hometown. So it's like now it can reconnect them with the people that they knew best for many years, the people that they worked with very closely. So I think that's, I think it's a great idea. I love the fact that they are looking at video games, looking at the benefits of video games rather than just focusing on the bad things about, you know, that, that can be associated with video games. And I think that's I think that's a great move. I think we're seeing more of that now as we see essentially younger generation younger generations taking more places in government in particular, you know, that 
where the younger generations are more likely to have had experiences with video games in general and may still play them. And so, yeah, I think it's a great program. I love that they're doing further research on it. And they're, but, and they're approaching from a very positive and nuanced point of view. So, yeah, I think that's super cool. So, yeah. yeah. No, as someone who did the whole shoulder surgery thing relatively recently, I mm-hmm. getting back into being able to play video game state was a big major improvement in my mental health. Like I, it's, it's being in hospitals suck. We don't talk about that enough, kind of as generally as a culture. It's it's not mm-hmm. the fact that you're in pain. It's kind of the like there's a tedium to it that you know video games can help break up some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a tedium, there's a loneliness factor. I mean, there's a lot of different things there. Indeed. Yeah. All right, last but not least on this week, this week on our news week, news list this week, holy shit. Um, we got some John Carmack news, and as always, whenever we have John Carmack news, I get a little bit afraid. Like, <laughs> especially when it's John Carmack being John Carmack as fuck, and our, um, <laughs> our John Carmack as John Carmack as fuck moment this week is uh, John Carmack has stepped down as the CTO for Oculus to get into general AI development. <laughs> Which, we kind of know this guy's a technical genius. I mean, that's the thing, it's like, He's not a game... Alright, so there's certain people who are kind of heralded as game designers, but never actually did any actual coding or engineering. They're just on the design side. And he's then there's John the, fucking Carmack. Yeah, the the guy who's still like a super genius when it comes to technological development. So, yeah. <laughs> so now he's going into AI, so... Expect robotic demons? <laughs> I who the fuck knows at this point. I <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. John Carmack has one of those minds. Anytime he gets involved in something, I just kind of assume he's going to figure it out. Or he's going to reach some version of figuring out enough that he feels comfortable, kind of handing it off to someone. So the fact that John Carmack is involved makes me feel a tad better about AI, but also makes me far more concerned about AI because. He'll fucking get it working. <laughs> and or so we find yeah. out that John Carmack is just actually a Terminator kind of thing. Like, yeah. John Carmack has those moments <laughs> where it's like, holy shit, you know technology too well. Yeah. Yeah. No more news on that just yet. I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the future as John Carmack builds a bunch of death robots and takes the land yep. that must be taken or something. So, <laughs> yeah, that does it for news this week. Let's see. We still. I keep fucking up because I had Alex last week. We had an Alex specific email. I'm like, no, this will be more fun when we're all on the podcast again. And now we're not all on the podcast again. We did get some more general emails. Um, change of YouTube term services. No. <laughs> Fuck, you weren't even here for this last week, Henry. So <laughs> it's a very specific question. We, so we may change that. We may save that one. We're going to do All one right. email. We're going to do one email, maybe two, because right. it's just time. Um, here's the most recent one coming in from Josh. Uh, Hello, Wicked Awesome Cast. And so, sorry, I have to do it the bed. Sorry. If you wanted to contact us, Henry, how would you go about doing it? That's how distraught I am on this topic. 
All right, that would be wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spells it sounds down the show notes, etc., etc. Send us emails. We like getting them. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Josh. I had to cut that into that for a sec because we do have a way of doing things. I'm just frazzled <laughs> at this point on. But Josh's email. Hello, Wicked Awesome Cast. In celebration of the new Pokemon game that came out recently, I was curious if you three had any thoughts about which was the best starter Pokemon. Just to clarify, I'm not asking which is competitive best, but which one is the one if you could pick for all possible ones, you'd go with every time if possible. Personally, I picked Classic Bulbasaur since it goes from cute to weird plant turtle into a Godzilla slash rainforest hybrid behemoth, but that's just me. I I do I do like Bulbasaur quite a bit. I think he's incredibly cute in his base form. I might have to go with Squirtle though. Uh, mine will forever be Totodile. Because <laughs> it starts off as a friendly little alligator and becomes just straight up Godzilla by the end. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I don't know. I guess I kind of like I like turtles. Yeah. I like Doidles. Oh no, Squirtle's definitely my strong second pick. It is purely mm. Totodile as a tiny alligator and <laughs> its evolutions are just like fucking bigger, more badass versions of what it is. I, it's I like water Pokemon. I think Totodile is cool. I Gold and Silver are the best Pokemon games in my book too. Like I, the first one has the second best starters. The second one, the Pokemon Gold and Silver has the best starters in my book. Like it's Bulbasaur, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander are fine. Squirtle being the best because it becomes Blastoise. None of them are as cool as the second gen starters in my book, though. Mm. Just because it's like, man, these are some weird ass critters. Neat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I only have so much experience with Pokemon games. I kind of, you know, I mentioned it before. I was kind of a little old when the Pokemon craze first yes. hit. I was in college by the time yeah. it hit. And I was like, and one of my friends was like, hey, this is the thing that this came over from Japan. It's going to print money over here. My unfortunate Pokemon story will always be, and I was not involved, so I kind of had to just, like, I saw it happen, and it was shitty to watch. Uh, the, the, the one Japanese kid that was on my middle school, Pokemon came out, and he was just assumed to be the expert by everyone. So the kid mm -hmm. was just mercilessly harassed every day by the popular kids. For new for information about Pokemon, and <laughs> it was just kind of shitty to watch. Like nothing bad happened to him, but like he didn't even like Pokemon that much. But it was like, no, everyone fucking asked me about this. I hate it so much, and I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> You've earned the hatred on this one. Completely fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for Froki for thanks me for is that. a close second because it turns into it turns into the ninja eventually. <laughs> but thank thank you for that. That's uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Maybe you'll enjoy Charlie's very long story, very good review of of Pokemon. I'm not even week, fucking so. done with Pokemon yet. Like, I, it's yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying it so far. Kind of like my review of Death Stranding. At this point in time, I am enjoying it still. Mm. Yeah. All right, we're doing one we actually delayed on two weeks ago. Last time Henry was on the podcast because it sat too long. Uh. We've now had time to kind of take a step back and ruminate on this some. This one comes in from Alexia. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Um, with BlizzCon either happening or over by the time the next podcast gets recorded, very over at this point, I think it's officially time to add the Blizzard Hong Kong debacle to these shitshow rankings. 
I don't think it will unseat the reigning biggest shit shows, but I definitely feel that it will bump um, DashCon down a little, down a rank. So, oh, let's consult the list. Uh, for for I those mean, again, kind of the ranking of the the ranking is at first place as biggest shit show. We have the Fire Festival, followed by Spider Man the Musical, followed by the Star Citizen Saga, followed by Year One. Sorry, Year One of E Three public tickets. Uh, THQ board uh, Nordic Eight Chan AMA, Pokemon Go yeah. Con, E for All, Dash Con, and Fortnite Live at the bottom in ninth place. Um, this I one's personally- tough. No, I personally put Blizzard number one because it. I mean, this is the thing. Like governments, our government officials talked about this. This made world news. I mean, this this and it and is an internet, literally an international incident. So did Firefest. So, Fire Festival didn't get talked about by our U.S. representatives and and senators. Yes, it did. It did. Yes. I I personally well. I guess it's because Fire Festival isn't a video game thing. I, I put it at the top. Yeah, I put Blizzard at the top because I personally. It, so, and here's the problem: the two metrics that put Fire Fest and Spider Man the Musical at top was that in Fire Fest ca- case it was directly endangering a large number of people, and Spider Man the Musical actively killed people. Yeah, this one's weird because as part of the Hong Kong protest, people have definitely died. But the BlizzCon aspect of it was not necessarily responsible for that aspect of it. I, I think it's a yeah. strong third by that measure, maybe even a second. Like I, this is gonna sound terrible. Like the Spider-Man the musical one, I've always been surprised it's this high because I used to work in theater and accidents shouldn't happen, but accidents do happen. Especially I don't know. Automation. I think just just the you know Fire Festival still only affected a small amount of people. Like, this Blizzard thing is literally an international incident. As was Firefest. Like, it fucking Not on the same level. It didn't, it didn't involve world governments. Yeah, it did. And, like, not really. Not on the level that Blizzard did. It involved, it involves, like, an actively ongoing giant investigation into it. Yeah. I mean... Like, that's the problem, though, too. Like, we care more about the BlizzCon 1 because video games. I'm happy you put and, it on top there. Like, and I, I'm because just kind of, it's like yeah. involves a very ongoing issue in Hong Kong, which is getting worse. Like they 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 were trying to basically take over a university that kind of is important to the to the Hong Kong's access to the internet. So they're basically trying to take control of the internet, essentially all of Hong Kong's internet by a siege. And so, and we're seeing more protesters being outright killed by police. So, I mean, this is pretty horrific. And the fact that Blizzard is still being fucking cowards about it, you know, with their bullshit non-fucking apology. Yeah. And and the fact that, oh yeah, this is something that I didn't get to mention that kind of late, you know, late news that I found out about is like, you know, the winner of their blizzard tournament they didn't even wait until blizzcon was over to be completely hypocritical about their claims of oh well we fired them because they weren't talking about the game and they were talking about politics so what happens with the new hearthstone champion round at blizzcon she literally takes her victory time to talk about not the game and about a political subject you know gender equality which you know i'm glad she did you know that's it's a great topic but 
that's not about the video game, and it's definitely political, so... Yo, so, fuck you, Blizzard. You immediately showed yourselves to be completely fucking hypocritical. Didn't even wait until the fucking BlizzCon was over to be hypocritical, so... Super fuck you on that one. It's like... Yeah, so, I mean... I don't know, it's... Everything about the Blizzard thing is just, like... Aggressively fucking hateful and signs of worse things coming on the horizon. Whereas Fire Festival is a kind of singular thing that's kind of done and over. It's being investigated, yes, but we aren't expecting it to happen again and again. The Blizzard thing is maybe a larger sign of worse things yeah, to I come. Yeah, I might go so far, it's beyond a shit show. Like, it's, there's kind of like self-containedness to all the shit shows on our list that are like, ha, that happened, that was a fucking shit show. Like, it almost feels wrong, like, yeah, I'm kind of with you, we're like, it's beyond what this list is intended to be a measure of. Like yeah, so I mean it's well, that's the thing. Like it's the is the Blizzard Hong Kong thing. Can you separate that really from the ongoing Hong Kong protests? No, you can't because one wouldn't exist without the other. And like, can you really isolate the Blizzard aspect of a larger topic and kind of I'm not sure what the right word is for this. Like objectively talk about it? No. Yeah. Because it only exists because it's part of a larger whole, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's so it kind of yeah, it's like it's a weird one to even like yeah, it's like it's on a different subject level than fire. Festival. Yeah, like it's beyond well, it's the shit show to- measure. It's all it's like it's not shit show enough because it wasn't like it, it was badly handled, but it was handled like the shit show thing is kind of the measure of like yeah, it was fucked up, but now it's over. That's not where this one's at. Yeah, and so, and it's probably closest in Fire Festival to its reach. I mean, like you said, like Fire Festival did basically become an international incident that's yeah. being, being, but while everything else was sort of like, we did this one bad thing and that was, that, that was kind of messed up. And it's like, yeah, they am the, you know, THQ Nordic 8chan thing. That was one big fuck up yeah and but... like, it's one of those ones where it's the there's no confusion to the hong kong situation like it's it's pretty kind of this is what happens this is why the handling of it was shitty and like the shit show was people not being pacified by blizzard which isn't a shit show it's just like ah shit our corporateness didn't work the other stuff on this list is like man what the fuck yeah yeah so yeah it's just Maybe it doesn't go on this list. Like it's not. It, it's it's too grandiose a topic and kind of a like just impact way and scope and reach. Like a. Like, um. I. I mean. I guess I wanted to be on list because I just want to keep to a certain extent keep social media on, on thinking about and keep people thinking about Hong Kong and what's been going on there and how it's getting worse. And so, to a certain extent, I mean, I think it should be still something that you know to keep to keep it alive because the second the world's eyes are off the tanks rolls it tanks roll in sure but also that, again that, that that's beyond the scope of what this ridiculous list is yeah like that, that's not tongue-in-cheek this this list is at this point this should never yeah. be a topic we talk about like, oh remember the hong kong protests yeah so yeah the rest of us yeah is you know, and yeah, I guess the only exception to that is like somebody actually dying in Spider-Man the Musical is pretty horrendous. Yes, in a in a play, but yeah, the rest of them are just like, 
Yeah, it's just like an awful thing where, you know, it's not really affecting people's lives. Like, yeah, the rest of the stuff is just like, I can find yeah. humor in it. Like, you know, and I can find humor in Fire Festival. I vote to not uh, add to the list in that aspect then. Like, but I can't, f I can't find humor. I mean, I think the way we do the Rank Chick show is more like, they should be at least humorous, and I don't find any real humor in the Blizzard Yeah, no, thing. I'm with you on this one, yeah. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, it's it's beyond the scope of this list and what it is. Yeah, just yeah. like, you know, we can put the, you know, maybe if, you know, the other list being, like, worst company of the year, Blizzard. And we will have our time for that, like, the, the, the Krampus yeah. cast and our yeah, the Krampus game cast. of the year stuff yeah. is coming. Like, it is our place yeah. to talk about this shit, and I suspect we'll there talk again. about Blizzard a lot then. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, the ranked shit shows is more, this, there's some humor to be found in this stuff, less so in the Spider-Man the musical. That one in itself is kind of, death, it, it, kind of it, like, it is sad mm. people died, the fact that it was happening at Spider-Man the musical, like, in a dark gallows way is maybe not funny, but it's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, what the hell. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, it kind of maybe just should be covered under the Krampus cast about Blizzard. Yep. So, yeah. So it does not so, make a yeah. list for those reasons. Um, yeah. How up are you on the Smash Terry Bogart stuff? Um, I played as Terry in Smash the other day when I was at, when I was, well, I say the other day, last weekend when I was at PDX. I'm going to save this or email then I mean, for next uh, week when hopefully PMX. Alex is back. Yeah, I uh, yeah I played as Terry and uh, at uh, I because there's a game room because just like with every major con there's a game room and actually uh played some Smash and I played as Terry and I was like yeah he seems fun I'm guessing he's broken or something uh no <laughs> like, I, this is I went on a bit of a rant last week about my feelings about Smash at this point and <laughs> we got some email about it uh, we'll save this for next week and Alex is back because he was here for that. So that does it for emails this week. Uh, WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com. Send them in. Uh, that does it. Uh, anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Alright, so I can. I am on social media as Kraken Zero. that's Z-E-R-0, and I am on Instagram and Facebook. So you can follow me there, especially if I'm going to be streaming. I always post on social media whenever I'm about to stream. I didn't stream in the last week because I guess I just was pretty feeling pretty really exhausted. I spent three weeks creating costumes with all of like a lot of my free time, so I was just like, uh, but yeah, I'll probably be doing some game streaming here. I'm thinking about learning a uh, particular route for Zelda 2 called the all 100% all keys route. So I'm learning to learn that. So I'll probably be casting that over the next week a bit, and also just sort of talking about next projects for costuming. I've thought about, but yeah, um, but yeah, that's where to catch me, and that's what I'll be up to. What about you? Um, I don't fucking know. Mordak undivided everywhere. Yeah, on, so. on, on most gaming platforms. I'm mad I can't be that on the Switch. I'm just Mordak on the Switch. It's too many <laughs> characters for the Switch to take. Um, yeah, I, I, in theory, my Stadia comes in this next week, so I'll probably poke around on that if I can do such things, but yeah. No big plans, content-wise. I we're not set up in the garage yet, and we're working on it. But yeah, all right. Ah, I guess a boring that's life. all. 
<laughs> ah, cue the middle. <laughs>